And it's a very good point. Yes, this activity is already illegal. You shouldn't be going out and abusing frontline staff. No one would disagree with that. I think where this falls up though is this feels very reactive. We're not being thinking ahead of what we can do to prevent these sorts of incidents. You're listening to The Front Desk, a podcast for professionals who are passionate about the security and safety of their colleagues and employees. In each episode, listen to interviews from those who are at the forefront of employee well-being and understand how to ensure the security and safety of your employees in today's world. Hi everyone and welcome to The Front Desk podcast, brought to you by the little green button. I'm Brad, and today we're going to do something a little bit differently. I've brought the team in for a chat. Guys, it's really great to see you both. How are you doing? Yeah, good. Thanks, Brad. Nice to be here. Thanks, Brad. Yeah, really good to be joined by you guys today. Awesome. Awesome. I guess maybe a, a quick introduction into uh, who we are. I guess I'll go first. Obviously, you probably know me from the first episodes. I'm Brad, uh, Head of Sales here at Little Green Button. I'm Smart, Head of Customer Success at Little Green Button. And I'm Alex, MD of Little Green Button. Great stuff. Great stuff. And I guess, why is Liz Green Button up? Why are we creating this podcast? The three of us, yeah, we have our own experiences. We're all quite passionate about safety. We love to see legislation brought in to protect people. And I guess what we're seeing a lot, uh, not just now, maybe more so now with the pandemic and coming out of the pandemic, but those barriers to to protecting staff. And I guess that's really what we're going to talk about today is how and what barriers are employers experiencing when it comes to protecting their staff. And from our experiences, how could that be improved? Um, so I think moving on from there, if, if we just briefly just tell our own experiences a little bit, it might be a nice place to start to get to know each other. Alex, you, you worked in bars, right? In a lifetime, different lifetime? Many moons ago. But yeah, when I was a student at university, had to, to pay my own way. So was working in bars and restaurants. And I, that was my first exposure to really working with the general public and some of the things that you're not prepared for that aren't on the job spec when you get underway. First exposure is sort of personal safety in some of those incidents. And you're thrust in working behind a bar quite a young age. From my experience, this isn't true of everywhere, but fairly limited training. It focuses very much on that customer service aspect, but not the wider aspect of sort of safety and some of the incidents that can happen with working with the general public. Uh, And you're thrown in at the deep end after a little bit of training, you're there outnumbered sometimes 10 to 1, either behind a bar or waiting on tables with the general public. Majority of the times people are lovely and you have great experiences, but then you're exposed at times to drunk, abusive, unwell customers. And that's where sometimes being referenced to a health and safety document that might be on a company shared drive or you might have skimmed through in a handbook at times, that's when it gets really brought to life. And that's when you really do rely on or you're exposed to the lack of tools, process or experience and how to deal with some of these situations. I'm not sure if that reflects any of your experience, guys. Yeah, I certainly relate to that. I spent you know years working in the hospitality industry as well. And everything you said is really true. So I actually managed a pub and, and a restaurant for quite a few years, just slightly different perspective. But there were so many times where I felt unsafe, so many incidents, like you said, you know, drunk and abusive customers. That was a constant, especially at weekends. And then being management, I was very often left to lock up the premises completely on my own, really late at night, handling large amounts of money, so unsafe. And Even for management, there was no safety process in place, nothing at all. We weren't allowed on mobile phones on shift and stuff. So if something were to happen, I would have had to have gone to the landline and that was at a fixed location. It was super dangerous. There was nothing you could have really done should something horrible have happened. And yet as a petite, you know, female, it was extra scary. 
And from a management perspective as well, I was given zero guidance on safety for the staff that were in my care, which was awful. I didn't know how to keep them safe. There was no procedure. I think because I worked for an independent and not a chain, there was just a complete lack of policy. There was no handbook. There was nothing. The owners were very, like I said, customer service oriented, money oriented. They just didn't seem to even have safety on their radar in that respect, which was yeah, really concerning. It just felt quite helpless, really. I'm having a flashback now. You mentioned that not having a mobile phone, exactly that, seen as a distraction, but there was no other technology or protection in place when an incident occurred. So if you did feel threatened, if someone's a bit leery, had a couple of drinks and, and getting quite abusive towards you, you've got no fallback there. And it is there's no subtle way to get help. You either shout and call for help. Someone else has to either see or step in there. Very, very exposed. And that isn't something that was covered in my experience of the training quite a few years ago now, but it it was not something that that I was prepared for. So when it does happen, felt very vulnerable. And then as you mentioned, towards the end of the night, locking up or anything like that money on hand, there's not much of a barrier between you and the public there. So if someone wants to hop behind the bar and take whatever they want, there's not much you can really do to stop them. Now, I know that some premises will have security on site that comes with an extra level of protection. But I'd say on the whole, for most bars and and restaurants these days, there isn't a physical security presence. So it is the responsibility of the management and the chain or whichever restaurant it is there to put practice or process or technology to protect staff. But I just don't see it being on people's radars right now. And I'm not sure if that's our limited experience, whether that's the industry as a whole, but we are seeing continued reports and an increase in violence to frontline workers. So it doesn't seem like anything's changed since the days when we were working behind the bar. Exactly. That it kind of it's interesting hearing you guys say that. My my experience is I guess mirrored. I, I worked in in ski resorts many moons ago sort of these remote chalet locations and you talk about being left on your own being left in charge of locking up or bits and pieces you know we were there in a remote chalet mountain location you know two 22 year olds left in charge of this building with sort of 20 plus adults yeah they're all on holiday they're all having a good time they're all having you know drinks and bits and pieces most of the time absolutely not a problem it's great to see people having fun but you know, on those occasions when something did happen, you know, if there's an injury or the guests are getting upset, they're getting angry, they might be getting drunk, abusive, threatening. I, I really don't know. But, you know, from our point of view, there's two of us there, two 22-year-olds in a, in a strange new country. I say strange. France isn't that strange, but in a different country. Yeah, I don't know the rules here. I don't know the regulations. I don't know how to protect myself. I don't know how long it takes for emergency services to reach the chalet should I need to make the call. I don't even know the number to phone if it should happen. Also, yeah, is it snowing heavily? Could the transport even get to me? All these things sort of going through our heads. And yeah, it, it is bonkers when you think about it, the amount of responsibility that's put on these frontline workers. And uh, I think, Alex, you said about how they are generally sort of untrained. They don't have the knowledge. They haven't been given the right piece of paper to say this is what you need to do. It just seems really backwards, doesn't it? Yeah, there's the old adage, though, of uh, plan for the worst, hope for the best. It feels like the majority of employers at the minute are missing half of that. We're just hoping for the best. We're hoping that these scenarios and these incidents aren't going to occur. And there doesn't seem to be much of a fallback. Our previous guest, 
Vince rightly stated, though, that it's one thing having these processes, and I'm sure if challenged, a lot of employers will have a handbook. There will be something tucked away on a shared drive of what that policy is. But for these employers, these frontline staff, you're to challenge them on them. As you said, what should I do if there's an incident? Someone's very ill. What should I do if someone's being drunk and abusive? Are they going to be able to recall on that process? Are they going to have that protection that they need? It's really the responsibility of the employers to make sure that policy is not only there, but everyone's aware of it, that they've practiced it, the tools and the practice and process are all in place. Yeah, I completely agree. And that's a really good point. Then I also think, obviously, that responsibility is with employers. But also, I mean, we need to look at is the government doing enough to support these employers? You know, do they have the legal and recourse and funding to make it a possibility? Like I said, I worked for a small independent and, you know, the budget were tight, the margins are really small. Obviously, they're not prioritising safety, but there should be probably higher level legislation that you know helps them with that i mean brad didn't you find a really good article and some good stats on that topic the government have been looking recently about legislation on how to lessen the impact on reports of threats and abuse in the workplace more so at the retail sector but i think there's a lot of similarities between retail and hospitality with that frontline worker aspect in fact i've got the article here i'm just going to read the first couple of bits because i think i think it's super useful to have all the information here government claim that current legislation is sufficient and calls for increased police reporting as threats to assault on shop workers skyrocket during the pandemic. Uh, Ministers have rejected calls for new legislation to protect retail staff and other frontline workers from abuse, saying the current legislation was enough. So this is responding to calls from retailers and unions to do more to stem an increase in verbal abuse, threats and assaults faced by retail workers since the start of the pandemic. Chris Philp, the Parliamentary Undersecretary of State of the Home Office, said that creating a specific offence would not solve the problem because such an offence already exists. If more effort should be made to encourage staff to report the, the abuse, 87% of retail workers who reported the offence to an employer, only half of them then reported it onto the police, and only, again, a further 12% of those led to arrests. So I'll just say his quote, just so we know exactly where his mindset is on this. Uh, what is clearly needed is not to criminalise the behaviour, it is criminal already. It is not to elevate the penalty given to those penalty who are convicted, it is already elevated. What we need to do to get more convictions is to start off with more reporting. And it's a very good point. Yes, this activity is already illegal. You shouldn't be going out there and abusing frontline staff. No one would disagree with that. I think where this falls up, though, is it feels very reactive. We're not being thinking ahead of what we can do to prevent these sorts of incidents. So where we've got a fire alarm in a building, where we've got process and policy in place, maybe there's something that we can be doing in these organisations that we can be doing with employers to train staff better, to make sure the policy or the technology is there to help prevent these incidents, as opposed to just encouraging people to report them better and go after a conviction once the incident's happened. That's my concern. I think absolutely right. This already is a criminal act. Maybe there's even a fear of repercussion. Maybe that's why people aren't reporting these offences to the police. I'm not sure, as you mentioned, Smile, does that reflect badly on an employer? If there's an incident at the pub you're managing, is there a fear of repercussion that if something gets investigated, is that going to reflect badly on the employer? Uh, And that could be a reason why some of these incidents aren't being reported and taken further. Yeah, I think that's a really valid point. I think that could definitely be a factor here. I think people are inherently scared, you know, report these kinds of instances. Either they're scared of not being believed or not being taken seriously and it not coming to fruition. 
or yeah, it could reflect badly on their employer. They can't risk their job. There's a lot of facts that play that job security is really important. So maybe they think, yeah, I'm not going to report this horrible thing that happened to me just because, you know, I need my paycheck. I've got to live. So yeah, that could definitely be a factor. There is also the, the fact that obviously facing verbal, physical abuse at work is deeply you know, traumatic and people can go through some horrible things. And maybe after experiencing something like that, you're not always in the right frame of mind to want to report it to a higher authority. That's quite a big step to take. Maybe they don't want to relive it and have to re- recount the whole ordeal. So that could be another factor. It's just, yeah, I think people find it generally quite difficult to report these things for several reasons. So yeah, it's just tricky. Really good point. Just uh, there was a, a survey of 3,000 or nearly 3,000, 2,729 to be specific, shop workers across the UK. Nine in 10 of them had experienced verbal abuse. Three in five had been threatened by a customer and 9% had actually been assaulted. It's, it's horrid to hear those sorts of statistics. But I am curious to know of those people, of those shop workers, how many of them had received training that protection, that guidance of what to do when there is an incident. I'd also be interested to know what the follow-up care is after this incident, because I also think employers have a responsibility. These are horrible incidents. I know from personal experience, being shouted at, threatened, even assaulted in a service environment is absolutely horrible. I'd be interested to know what employers do to protect people and care for them after the event has happened. Again, something that Vince and also Sean mentioned on previous podcasts. I'm not sure what you think about that, Brad. The stats, when you actually look at them, the more you look, the the worse they they become because you just find more and more horrible stats one after the other. And you're absolutely right. I think employees are sometimes threatened to the point where employees are often reluctant to report incidences because there is that almost yeah am I being a burden to the workplace yeah now my manager has to fill out forms now I have to have extra training there is often that burden or or that thought of the burden which probably goes through the the person who's been assaulted mind but I guess additionally as well they must see interesting stats like yeah when only 12% of assaults are reported to the police or end up in conviction. And you think, also, what's the point in me reporting this? Why should I report it when there's only a, a 12% chance that it's going to end up in a conviction? Uh, it must be really demoralising, especially if you're in yeah, front of workers where you sort of see this every day. It must be really difficult to deal with. I wonder, also, we've got an awareness of what's available for employees. Having worked in the industry, we know the plethora of different solutions that can be put in place to protect staff from right up front visible having security there but which is quite costly and and not always suitable in many environments to some technology-based solutions where we fit in the panic alarms and security cameras loan worker solutions as well i wonder if there is a lack of awareness for employers they just don't know that these sorts of solutions are out there and also how cost effective that they can be from sort of pounds per user per year a small price to pay for sort of someone's security and well-being i know from my experience, quite a few years ago, I, I know having spoken to the employer, they just weren't aware that these sorts of things were out there, these sorts of solutions. From your experience, both Brad and Smile, were your employers aware of these solutions? Do you think it was a conscious effort not to do this or just not aware that they could be protecting their staff better through use of technology? I think you're definitely right i can't speak for national chains and stuff but working on an independent i do think there was definitely a lack of awareness about what they could have implemented very easily 
and in an inexpensive way. And it would have been invaluable to me to have either a portable alarm or something on the EPOS system on the tills that I could have pressed instead of having to run to the landline phone every time I needed to contact the owners or the police or whatever. It would have been so helpful. And they, I know they could have afforded it because I had visibility on the budget and stuff and looking at prices of these solutions now. It was well within their remit and it just never happened. So I think I don't think it was a conscious effort I do think, yeah, there's definitely that lack of awareness. I think it's coming from both sides. I think the average employee, the average frontline worker now is so much more aware of products out there that other companies might be using to protect staff or they might have seen it on social media. Yeah, they are aware of more products out there to help keep them protected, whether it be as simple as yeah, a panic alarm all the way up to having security or walkie-talkies, whatever that may be. And I think the conversation is going to change a lot, maybe accelerated because of COVID. During COVID, obviously, the idea of being protected at work, your wellness, your well-being, your mental health, it's all great stuff. It's more important than ever, and people are talking about it more than ever. So we might see a bit of a shift, actually, in terms of where yeah, companies might have thought of putting in these uh, safety features as a bit of an insurance policy. Well, actually, no, they can use it now to, to tell their staff, no, we are looking after you. We do keep you protected. And ultimately, it's, it's a good tool for them when they're, when they're hiring or looking to expand their teams. Look, we care about our staff. We care about our team. We are keeping you protected. And I think it's good. The social media, the modern way of living, it has exposed more people to the technology. And I just think it's only going to benefit everyone. That would have made a difference to me. You hope that no one ever has to use these tools. They're completely there as a backup. But having that reassurance and peace of mind that there was technology and process in place for when it did happen definitely have given me that reassurance when, as I said, you outnumber 10 to 1 by drunk customers or you're in a situation where you feel uncomfortable. That reassurance and peace of mind would have meant a lot to me as an employee back then. Yeah, 100%. It's a win-win. Like Brad said, the employees can shout about it and they can have that peace of mind that they're doing everything they can to protect their staff that they're supposed to care about. And the staff can rest easy knowing that they're working for someone that cares about their safety, that prioritises it, and that they've got the tools and, and they know how to use these tools should a situation arise where they're not comfortable or they're getting harassed or whatever. So there's no downside to it, really. And with modern technology, pricing is no longer really a barrier. So... Yeah, it's something that definitely needs to be in place in more organisations for sure. We could just reflecting back on the article there and seeing what the government are trialling and discussing in terms of legislation. I accept that they've come to the conclusion that there already is process and policy in place to convict people once an incident's happened. I would challenge them to think a little bit more about preventative measures and legislation that can be put in place. There's some great stuff happening in the US with Alyssa's law, where schools are being actively encouraged to, by law now being obliged to have panic alarm systems in place as those preventative measures, much like a fire alarm. It's just in place, it becomes standardised and, and you don't question it. I'd like to have more discussions around that here in the UK across multiple different sectors just to make it a, a standard in there. So there's no question about it. It shouldn't be optional. Someone's safety or security or that peace of mind that this technology could bring, you want it there for everyone, not just one department not just one restaurant because someone's taken the initiative you just want it there as a blanket standard if that's going to help bring peace of mind or reduce the number of assaults that would be the best outcome i could see yeah i i completely agree i think it's, it's so important that legislation is there that helps look after everyone within an organization we need to ensure that each department each member of staff is protected or has connection to some kind of safety measure 
I won't mention the the, the the hospital by name, but there was a story in the newspaper recently and there was an incident at, at the hospital. They did have safety measures in place, protecting frontline staff in sort of reception areas and emergency departments, some of the sort of high risk areas. But ultimately, sadly, there was an incident and I think the, the, the cleaner ended up getting stabbed. And it seems crazy to think that actually the hospital has identified a threat They've identified an issue. They've put safety measures in place, trained staff up, put in policy, you must do this when this happens. And yet the incident's happened in a different department just down the road. And you just think that that's crazy that they were so close to having that uniform protection across an entire sort of department, entire hospital. And just through sheer bad luck, I guess, they, they missed the boat a little bit and this poor cleaners ended up getting stabbed. You just think, what gives some departments more, more right to these protective measures? What gives more departments more access to these? No, it should be a uniform blanket protection that's given to every employee. Yeah, I couldn't agree more with you both. You both made some really salient points there. Like Alex said, these preventative measures are so important. They should be treated like fire alarms. You know, they should be installed and everyone should know what to do in case the alert is raised. There's no point in waiting until something awful happens. God forbid a stabbing and, and then reacting to it. You should be proactive and you should make sure that you're prepared and that people know what to do to de-escalate and prevent these situations. And yeah, Brad, like you said, these tools are absolutely at their most effective when every single person on site has access to them, can use them, can receive alerts, can send alerts, can whatever the tools may be. They should apply to every member of staff from you know the CEO right down to whoever it may be. All employees you know, have the right to feel safe. And that's a really important point that you've made. It's such a shame that that incident had to happen. And that's it. I often think with some of these protective measures, these security measures that come in, organisations are putting them in after an incident's happened. Yeah, an incident's happened. They've gone, oh, that was not good. What can we do to make sure that doesn't happen again? And they introduce the new measures. I I wish, I hope more companies think, oh, this has happened to a neighbouring sort of business and neighbouring organisation, what can we do today to make sure that never happens to us? What can we put into place today to make sure that never happens to us? And yeah, I, I think these conversations do happen, but it's like taking that insurance in your house. You hope you never need it, but it's got to be there. You need to have it. I just hope that the government and wider governments across the world really do think about this. The stats, not just in the UK, but in the US, Australia, multiple other territories, we have seen a rise in assaults on frontline workers You've mentioned a couple of times, I think we're all in agreement that it tends to be quite reactive if there's some policy in place so we can even take the question away from employees that just make it mandate that this has to be a standard to protect employees everywhere. There are cost effective solutions out there. It can get entire organisations covered. Just remove the question of safety and security out of it and just make it a standard for employers out there. Yeah, I, I agree. The government, they should back things like this and they should make it accessible and it shouldn't be optional. People, employers, they have an obligation to keep their employees safe and protected and prevent this kind of incidents. And yeah, the government could definitely be doing more to back that. This, like you said, the stats don't lie. Assaults and harassment has increased massively. So yeah, more, more needs to be done on a, on a higher level. Oh, folks, thanks ever so much. I think there's some really good information, really interesting information. It's great to hear your own personal stories as well. Really interesting reflecting back on that article. We'll certainly leave a comment in the description wherever you can see this, just so you can obviously link and read that at your own leisure. But I think we're coming up on our time, really. So maybe, Alex, it might be an idea just to give us some final thoughts, just something to sign off on. Sure. 
I really encourage employers to be proactive and not reactive. Review all your existing security policy, your health and safety policy of how you're protecting your staff. Look at any gaps in there and just see if there's any cost effective ways you can get some tools or technology in place to get all your staff protected. We've spoken about the importance of not just focusing on a couple of frontline people. If there's a way to cover everyone by these tools. It just mitigates the risk. So that's where I will leave things. Yeah, absolutely. And then following on from that, obviously, following on from those procedures and everything that you need to implement, I think employers also have an obligation to ensure proper aftercare procedure as well. So if something you know does happen, have they got policies and procedures in place for taking care of staff after, monitoring their well-being? Is there someone they can talk to? Is there therapy available it's for the obviously organisation to decide what's appropriate? But that staff well-being, not just during the incident, but and not just immediately after, but ongoing and making sure that they're taking that into consideration, I think is also really important. Yeah, awesome. Thank you, guys. And I guess I'll, I'll kick off from there with my final thoughts. I'd say to anyone, take a proper look at your team, anyone in your team who's public facing, people who are left one to one, maybe they have meetings, whether they're loan workers, remote workers. Yeah, would you be comfortable in their shoes in those shoes would you know what to do should a situation arise you know which measures are in place to protect those members of staff i would say do drills you know make sure your team are comfortable implement technology to make those drills better make those processes streamlined really look after each other that's the main takeaway here look after each other i think that's where we're going to leave things for today i hope you've enjoyed listening We've certainly enjoyed being with you. From all of us here at the front desk, a big goodbye. Thanks, everyone. Cheers. Thank you. Bye. Thanks for listening to The Front Desk. If you enjoyed what you heard, please follow us on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. The Front Desk is brought to you by Little Green Button, the original on-screen panic button software designed to keep staff safe. To learn more about how we can provide reassurance for your organisation, visit us at littlegreenbutton.com.